Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Rave. Okay, it is five o'clock on Friday afternoon at 3CR, but it's not really, folks, because as you can probably tell by my voice croaking away here, I'm a little bit crook at the moment, losing my voice. Um, So what we're actually doing is a pre-record, just a tidy couple of hours earlier in the day so that in case anything goes wrong, we can fix it up and um, actually get out to you by five o'clock. But yeah, what a week. I'm joined in the studio at 3CR today with um, Matt Wilson. Matt, how do I describe you these days? What's your role? What's your job? Who are you? Um, I'm a lawyer at uh, Central Highlands Community Legal Centre, which is in Ballarat. Right, okay, but people might know Matt from other roles. That's true. I'm also involved in Melbourne Activist Legal Support, so... Yeah, okay, so Melbourne Activist Legal Support, and you're moving out to Ballarat, you're getting out, having a look at the highlands? Yeah, 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 up in the trees. Up in the trees, bit of a tree change, sort of beautiful thing. I've just done the opposite, as a lot of listeners might be aware. I've just moved down from the trees back into the People's Soviet of... Brunswick to get back to work at Trades Hall, so it's it's all happening. But but Matt, Melbourne Legal Activist Support um, has been busy lately on Friday evenings. I'd be guessing with um, um, the Manus Island protests. Yeah, we, we've um, we've been busy, uh, quite quite busy uh, in relation to quite a few things lately. Um, so we, uh, for those who don't know, um, attend. Uh, demonstrations amongst uh, other t- other activities um, to assist people in um, their their dealings with the police is often the case, and we've certainly seen um, in the past few weeks. Uh, would say probably a you know an increase in the kind of uh, interactions between police and protesters, and 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 some really shocking scenes last Friday. Mm. Uh, and um, and uh, thankfully there's uh, one of one of our team there to assist with uh, providing advice and support, uh, and and holding the police to ultimately to account through those observations uh, for, um, you know, what, uh, you know, really has to be, you know, quite a questionable um, tactic uh, as the police intervened at the the protest uh, in relation to Manus last Friday afternoon. Right, yeah, it was quite shocking actually to see them out there in their Robocop gear and the way they were acting and the way they treated that bloke basically dragged his face into the ground, you saw... Listeners would have seen television yeah. footage and some of the Facebook footage. I'm not going to mention any names. Get that lawyer's look off your face. Um, but, um, but yeah, um, what is behind it? Oh, look, I mean, it's hard to tell, but you, you can um, certainly draw some conclusions about the, the, the uh, consequences and, you know, um, and really significantly uh, where, when police 
violently intervene at protests, uh, it, it has a chilling effect on people's confidence and, the, and, the, and their belief that coming out onto the streets and exercising their democratic right to freedom of speech in our country um, is something that they're going to be able to do without you know, uh, being violently <coughs> shut down. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a real concern. That's a concern for our democracy. Um, you know, this is the the one space that it's that it's that street level right that we all have to um, to voice our opinions and you know, for the record, speaking to something that I think uh, you know a, a huge proportion of the Australian community is in strong sympathy and support of. And uh, you know, uh, beyond that, I mean, I've, I wasn't there, but I heard that uh, this incident um, followed shortly after uh, a far right uh, figure had intervened and stolen a microphone off, mm. the, off the people who were running the demonstration and started spouting racial hatred uh, th- through the through the PA system. And uh, I, you know, I don't exactly know what's happened in the wrap up, but what what oh. I saw on Facebook and and what I've heard is that um, you know one of one of the uh, refugee advocates was the person on the ground covered in blood um, and yeah. and was taken taken away uh, in a divvy van. So oh, it was it, it was shocking, and the police. Stopped the ambulance getting to him. They refused the ambulance access to him. Now, to to me, that's there's got to be some kind of law against that. But also, um, when I I of course did the show last Friday at five o'clock, and so I got to the rally late. So by the time I got there, people just told me he, what happened. He was at the back of the van. And I saw him being dragged to the back of the van. Sorry, they told me what had happened, and so I went there and um, asked him whether he had any legal support and at that point I realised someone from Melbourne Activist Legal Support was standing right behind me and tapped me on the shoulder and said it's okay Jake I'm here and so that was able to cover but as soon as I started saying that to him the police just shut the door in the back of the divvy van to basically stop us having access to him anyway. Well you know again um, the, the that's an, just another uh, example of, of uh, behaviour that really should be brought um, under scrutiny and 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 review uh, in 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 the, in the in the course of that in that 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 protest and how the police intervened. When you say you know what's this all about? Um, as I said, it's hard to draw conclusions, but uh, we have seen uh, police rolling out in in uh, more uh, sort of militarised. Uh, anti-riot gear uh, this this certainly um and it's only been i think in the last two or three months that the elite um public order teams uh, i assume that's who it is uh covered in black mm. plastic um <coughs> armor uh you know kind of thing that you associate with uh, or used to at least associate with protests in in other parts of the world like uh, in the u.s or or uh, in violent crackdowns where you know a government might be uh, you know on the on the verge of being toppled, it's, yeah. it's, they see it on Victorian streets and and you know in relation to a several protests, it's particularly around refugees. We didn't see this at some of the larger demonstrations uh, in the in the uh, previous uh, campaigns around social issues we've seen this year. This is where and it has changed. Yes. A, a friend of mine um, on Facebook um, posted a. Um, Posted a couple of pictures. One she posted herself in two thousand in the year two thousand at the um, S eleven mm. protests. And listeners, or well, you'd remember, I know um, how brutal we said those S eleven protests were. And you look at the cops, mm. and they're actually in short sleeve, light blue shirts with their yeah. funny hats on, and they 
they look like human beings. As brutal as they were, I'm not playing down no. what, what happened um, back in 2000. Um, but, and then she posted a picture of herself last weekend yep. with the cops at basically the same intersection. Yeah. And, and just the difference. I yeah. mean, you know, she looked much the same, I've got to say, 17 years later, but the cops, yeah. it was just like, instead of being, you know, it sort of reminded me many, many years ago, mm. um, I, was, I was in um, Frankfurt Airport just after um, Saddam, well, as Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And so there was a huge crackdown, as you can imagine. And I remember, and, and the police at Frankfurt Airport and then Bahrain Airport we travelled through were almost like that Kevlar, they were carrying M16s, you know. And then I remember the feeling of relief I got when I got off the plane at Kingsford Smith in Sydney and the cops were just, looked like cops. And I remember actually thinking, geez, you know, I'm not a fighter, but I could take one of these guys, <laughs> you know. Um, and it was that sort of stark difference, looking at these photos, the way the police have changed. It's um, Yeah. It's, well, it's, uh, I, you know, I think um, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. And you, you think back to where we were maybe 15 years ago with those demonstrations uh, the ter- at the turn of the century. And, and, um, and, and there were other, there, you know, it, it goes back further than that. The, 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 um, there was a real escalation in the, in the, in the use of, uh, you know, violence uh, against demonstrators under the Kennett government. And that, mm. and that occurred in, I think, 1996 with the, the first baton charge uh, in, in a very long time of protesters on a peaceful picket line at Richmond Secondary College defending a state school that was being shut down by that Liberal government. Mm. Um, the, there was development of some elite units in the police at the time um, and uh, the Force Response Unit, which has since, you know, uh, merged and, and reformed into different uh, different, organ- uh, different units. Now they have public order response, public order management, I believe, and... Um, but but back then, uh, th- those violent those those uh, those violent interactions and S eleven the, the big World Trade Forum demonstration mm. was another one, and then there was a huge um, a, a huge incident between uh, Wharfies and uh, the police, the MUA dispute. Yeah, and and then something changed, you know, and and f- for a while, uh, the, and I, and I believe that it was a recognition by police who had come down to to, to uh, you know in the direction of government presumably, to. Um, if, if possible, forcibly remove a huge community picket line, um, and and I was there that night, and you might have been there as well. I'm pretty sure, Jacob. There was, uh, you know, I remember there being about five thousand people standing in front of the gates for the Patrick's docks uh, down mm. down down in um, the Melbourne ports, and two and a half thousand police came down, and then another two and a half thousand building workers came down in solidarity with those community and, and wharfy protesters. And, and well, I was actually in the Fremantle docks ah, right, at that okay. stage, but it was a similar situation. Yeah, and and uh, ultimately, you know, uh, you know, um, sensible heads prevailed, and there was, uh, you know, a, a decision to by the police to withdraw. Uh, and then I understand that there was some serious uh, reconsideration of the role of police uh, as, um, as 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 a force to intervene in the public, you know, democratic process. And uh, and there some changes occurred. And it feels to me that we've we've sunk back into a situation where police are at the front line, um, 
intervening against, uh, you know, causes, social justice causes when they're being expressed on the street and, and also in industrial disputes. And that, that's happened over the last few years as well. And, and I really think that, you know, police should be asking questions of what they're being used for. I, yeah. I saw police on horses at the World Trade Forum after those, those baton charges crying, um, you know, staring up at the sky behind their riot shields, wondering what the hell um, their role is in our community. And, and that's these, not what they should be. Be, be. Because, look, not wanting to be an apologist for the police force, all right, but most of the people who join the police force, I'm sure, most of them don't say, I'm going to join the police force so I can be a nasty thug and assault people and hassle people, you know. Some of them might have lofty ideals about serving the community and all this bullshit. Mm. But, but, you know, most of them... Well, you know, an old um, ex-policeman, mate of mine I worked with some 25 years ago, had a saying that there are only um, three kinds of police, and he was an ex-cop, and he said, new cops, ex-cops, and fuckwits. Um, <laughs> Sort of, if if you're still there after a few years, mm. it's you know it's sort of you're living in a community where that sort of thing is is nurtured. But um, but the other side of this policing is that while they're looking there in all this RoboCop outfits dressed in Kevlar and you know pointing. Pepper spray at us, yeah. and you know that that picture, another picture that made the rounds as a cop with a a real hipster moustache pointing a can straight down the camera. Yeah. Um, of um, oh, I guess you won't mind me saying Kenji's photo. He loves promoting his photography. Um, is that we're actually a, there seems to also be a, a bit more tolerance in some ways on the police. Like I, at the time of we go back to two thousand. We never would have been able to hold the intersection of Flinders Street and Swanston Street for that long on a Friday night or a, or, or on a Sunday of the weekend. So it's almost like there's this it's it's this double thing where they're letting us do things, but with the knowledge that if we 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 know that if we step over this arbitrary line and we don't know where the line is, but we sure as hell bloody know when we cross it, um, yes. <laughs> you know, that that we're, we're all, you know, and I'm trying to get my head around what's, what, why they're actually like, with all those coppers in Kevlar and horses and cap gas and tasers and hmm. body armour and, you know, who knows how many batteries they've got shoved up their ass. I don't know. But surely there's no reason for them to allow us to... What are they... Why are they in some ways holding back? Like, in, it's, it's almost like last Sunday there were a dozen people still on the corner of Flinders Street and Swanston Street on that major intersection, and there were like 50, 60 cops holding the intersection closed. Yeah, well, look... In the old days, the cops in their short blue sleeve polyester shirts would have just dragged us off the road. Well, look, I, I wish I could answer that question. Jacob, you might be interviewing the wrong person and perhaps you should get the police minister in to, you know, to dig into the, the, the tactics uh, that are being uh, being applied at demonstrations. Yeah, today. he's not taking my calls, Matt. Oh, well, it's good to know you tried. <laughs> I, I, I mean, look, I think that... Um, 
you know, it's another interesting um, uh, development and, and, and a process that's underway at the moment and, and listeners, uh, I, I'd encourage them to, you know, uh, voice their opinions to the police minister about this, is that there's a review of the of the, um, of the the review process for police and, and, and investigations of police misconduct. And there's a review of the review process. Yes, there is. Um, oh, let's review so, that review of the review process. That's what, we, we, should, we should certainly contribute, and, and many people working in this space and, and uh, legal centres like Flemington Kensington uh, with the Police Accountability Project have made submissions. Uh, to, uh, specifically, the, the review process uh, is a um, process that involves IBAC, the in, Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption mm-hmm. Commission, and uh, Professional Standards Command, which is the police uh, review internal review system. And what people might expect is that if you make a complaint to IBAC, your uh, complaint will be reviewed by an independent person, uh, hence the Independent Anti-Corruption Commission yeah. name, uh, but uh, in 90% or more cases, those reviews are sent back to the police, and in, in, in almost all cases, uh, the response is that they are unsubstantiated uh, in the sense that, uh, that, that the police, unsurprisingly, don't find any fault with the actions that have been taken. Um, there's cl- clearly some uh, problems with that, in our opinion. Uh, in many, pe- many lawyers and, and uh, advocates for uh, uh, people who are dealing with police, and um, uh, the moment the government's reviewing that and considering whether a more independent uh, system needs to be established. So, you know, really encourage people to... The, unfortunately, submissions have closed, but people should right. uh, make their feelings known, and in particular in relation to demonstrations, which is only one small part of the role that we see police playing in our society, but uh, a really important one to be um, where police are held to account and, uh, and are acting appropriately. Yeah, so people should actually, because we do that in the activist community all the time, we whinge about this and we whinge about the cops, but we actually should put pen to paper, put our fingers on the dial, or pen to paper, put fingers to keyboard, and and make some, use the telephone, use our emails, Mm. write off letters to to who? To to the Minister for the Police? Yep. I I guess to the Police Association, those of us who are trade unionists, should write to them as comrades? Yes, that's right, and... And and uh, you know, and, and on a practical level as well, uh, you know, th- it's important that um, the people who make decisions about these things have an opportunity to see what you know is going on. Um, and and uh, if you know, if you're witnessing a, an incident and you've got questions about the behaviour of the police, there's there's no there's no law against filming that interaction. Um, you know, you shouldn't. Uh, you know, well, and you know, you shouldn't uh, intervene in a way that might hamper the, the behaviour, the, 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 act, the activities of the police, or you know, in, in doing so, you may be leading to um, breaking the law yourself in terms of uh, hindering police. But filming the police, uh, interacting with someone, that's that's not an unlawful act, and uh, it um, is is the footage and, and those kind of accounts and those first first hand um, uh, witness experiences that uh, you know shed light on on these matters for mm. people who will have concerns but are probably never going to see see those things firsthand. Yeah, and if you are filming um, something dodgy by the police, the police will, more than likely, ask you to put the camera away, ask you to stop filming, and I've seen this so yep. many times, the police ask, and, they, and, you know, more often than not, people who are concerned for the safety of their phone or their camera equipment, quite naturally, yep. will follow that direction and put it away. But the point is... And, but I've said other people say you're not allowed to ask me that, and you know they are allowed to ask you. Hmm. Well, just and, like and anyone on the street is allowed to ask you yep. 
to do anything. And and further to that, though, um, in some circumstances, the police may uh, seize equipment, claiming that uh, they believe that there may be material that assists them in investigating an offence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's grounds, for instance, if you weren't filming until you saw the police interact with <coughs> uh, or the, or the crime, for instance, that they're investigating occurred before the arrest and it's not some claim of assault police that they're looking at, yeah. um, you know, there'd be real questions about whether they had a right to seize um, equipment at, at that point. And, um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, I mean, you've got to make a call in a situation if you're being asked to do something and you may be asked to hand something over. And I've, I've talked to quite a few people who've done that. They've received their equipment back at a later stage. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but uh, nevertheless... Uh, you know, I've also seen many situations where people have, have intervened and, and, and filmed incidents involving protesters and police or other persons, and uh, that footage has been really, really critical uh, for uh, lawyers and and uh, and uh, to, to look at, you know, after the event and work out whether uh, the police were acting outside their duties. Yeah, and also just in case they do seize your do seize your equipment, because I mean, you'd never trust the buggers. Um, just <clears throat> if you're the kind of person who does. Do a lot of filming stuff, um, and are potentially going to be in that situation. Just get um, used to the idea of going save upload, yes, or send it via signal to a mate or to yourself or an email, whatever you find easiest to do with your particular dexterity of thumb. Just immediately upload it. Immediately upload it. Then there's nothing they can. Then there's nothing they can do. Basically. Yeah, another thing that mightn't be a bad idea. I think we're living in a time where you know most people have more than one phone in their lives. Yep. Uh, if you're going to a demonstration, you might like to take an old phone that has a camera <laughs> that works. That's right. Uh, but um, you know, in the case that you don't want to be uh, disadvantaged in not having contact with everyone for a short while. <laughs> Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. Okay, it's 22 past five-ish on on Friday afternoon at 3C. Uh, We were talking about the police response to to the protest, but I guess um, the other fault that, you know, I often find myself and other comrades of mine on the left and the protest movement generally get into is we start seeing the police as the enemy, and I'm not saying they're not, um, but... Oftentimes we lose sight or the actual cause while we're reason we're protesting and demonstrating almost has to play second fiddle to the fact that we're fighting the cops and it becomes mm. an us and them, which is obviously what the state wants us to do. I mean, the cops, the cops are the ro- the, the role of the cops is is cannon fodder there for the for the state to throw in front of the protesters so that we. So, so that that ensures, but it seems to me that that's the other thing. Uh, connection, I guess, would be what they're actually doing on Manus and what they're doing with the police in Victoria mm. seem to be reflections of each other. You know, a, a friend of mine used the term um, "beat the dog to scare the lion." You know, mm. where where you by being as as nasty and evil as you can be 
to refugees, and this is stated government policy and opposition policy, let's yeah. face it, all right? They're saying we want to show potential refugees all over the world that if they try to come to Australia, we will lock them up in third world conditions, in jails that haven't even been finished yet, with villages that want to kill them. Mm. We'll treat them like shit, yep. so don't even bother coming. And... and now and put up billboards and radio and television adverts all over the Middle East um, to that effect. Um, is that also that's also what they're doing with the protest movement by by showing that their their force of the Kevlar port or whatever they're called, public order response team and blah mm. blah blah. They're showing people that you come and like happened to that activist last Friday, you come and your face could be covered in blood too so it's it's really nasty yeah. it comes back to that chilling effect and uh you know and that's where you know people should be really really concerned about the impact that this may have on our ability to you know shape our society and to and to express concerns you know to ourselves uh, to other australians and to the world about what goes on in australia i think we've gone a long way in a very bad direction yeah. um and uh the, that is in no small part uh, due to the treatment of refugees over yeah. the last twenty years, yeah. um, it's it's absolutely appalling, and uh, you know, and 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 the, the decline in the standards and and recognition of human rights uh, is uh, it, it's almost difficult to compare the world we were in before this this really you know it got is. underway. It is, and it's not just the Kevlar. It's like they I said they refused that activist medical treatment. Yep, and then we have a situation on Manus Island where. The Australian um, Medical Association, hardly a hotbed of bleeding heart lefty activists, let's, let's face it, hmm. um, have been denied access to the refugees on Manus Island. Um, this is, and, and just as I say, the way they wouldn't let the ambulance get, get through. Now, we've also had um, case management staff on Manus Island forced to leave because of angry landowners threatening mm. to assault them and kill them. This is like the, the landowners on Manus, a lot of them, not all of them, let's not paint everyone with the same brush here, you yep. know. Um, but uh, I just don't know. I just don't know. If, look, I've spoken to um, um, uh, uh, Gideon Levy. I'm not going to be able to talk too much about it because it's already about, we've only got a couple of minutes left to go. But... Um, Gideon Levy has been in been in Australia to give the Edward Said um, Memorial Lecture in Adelaide, and he was in Melbourne last night. And I can't go too much into it, but one of the things he said from the podium was he said that he was really encouraged by Australia because he always thought that the Israeli right wing were the worst in the world, that there was nowhere for them to go. But he said some of the things I've heard from politicians in Canberra make Benjamin Netanyahu look like a human rights defending activist. Yeah. Now, now this is a situation where he also went on to say that the Israeli occupation of Palestine was one of the most brutal occupations in history. He yep. talked about Gaza being living in a cage for 20 years, people dying in there because they can't get out for medical treatment. Tricia listeners don't need to be convinced, I'm, I'm sure. No. 
Um, and I, I hope to do a program specifically on um, the occupation in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, maybe in time for Christmas, a little star of Bethlehem. But um, but the fact that someone like Gideon Levy, who has fought in the IDF as a young man, who was Simon mm. Peres's offsider, who's been writing for twenty something years about the brutal occupation, has has said that Canberra has inspired him. That Israel right wing still has a, a way to go. This is this is now. He didn't go into exactly what was said, um, but but this is uh, this is outrageous. We also have a situation just before we finish up in the Northern Territory, where we've got basically paramilitary on on the streets looking at Aboriginal youth crime, which the police commissioner in the Northern Territory has said that the response isn't necessarily based on facts or statistics, but rather public perception. Yes, yes, it, uh, it seems uh, that the direction that uh, authorities are taking in the northern territory is is uh, in stark contrast to the to the advice and recommendations that have uh, re- resulted from the investigations into youth detention um and and uh, you know are falling well short of the cultural change that needs to occur uh it, it's it beggars belief to be honest that um the public perception response uh, requires the 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 vision of militarized police on the street to make everyone feel presumably uh that that uh that, that there's something okay about their law enforcement system. It, it's it's completely the opposite. Um, yeah, I've... it's it's outrageous, is what it is. It's outrageous. But anyway, we're coming up to it's just gone twenty nine minutes past five on Community Radio Three CR. I guess the last thing to say is, um, as I said earlier, we're pre-recording this by a couple of hours. The rain is already pissing down. God knows what it's going to be like at five thirty. Uh, while you're listening to this, but get out there, get to the State Library, 5.30, to say, you know, it's our responsibility, folks. It's no one's responsibility but ours. The government isn't going to do it. Um, We need to be out there and stand with the refugees on Mattis and Nauru and in all the onshore detention centres. Yep, maybe it's time for a boat. Maybe it's time. Well, I mean, maybe it's time for an arc, judging by what Especially with all this rain. (laughs) Okay, that's all from me. Uh, My name's Jacob. I've been joined by Matt Wilson. Thank you. And um, we'll talk to you next week.